Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Service Hub, where we give you your tips and tricks for your service business success. Today, we have Frank Bessignac on the line with us. Frank, say hi. Hello. All right. So where are you coming from, Frank? Where are you, where are you sitting right now? Right now, I'm in my office that happens to be in my house in Mount Washington, Kentucky, just south of Louisville. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Well, to give you guys a little bit of brief background on Frank, um, he was actually, so he's been in the service business for, for years and years, um, worked at AC, ACA service company, um, you know, no. doing RCA. 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 Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Do you <laughs> dude, guys know what RCA is? The old I, Radio Corporation of America? Radio yeah. Corporation of America. They made TVs, stereos, video recorders. Uh, <laughs> Is They're RCA. one of the first companies. I mean, it's funny because when I talk to people, what is RCA? <laughs> it used to be the radio. Co- you know, uh, Nipper the dog that stands in front of that big speaker, the old style speaker. You ever see the dog? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think yep. so. That's the logo about. for RCA. Oh, okay. See, Frank, you've got a couple of young dudes on the line. I'm, 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 I'm not familiar. I should be, though. Yeah. I'm looking up RCA right now because I'm kind of <laughs> curious. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and and then GE bought RCA, so then oh, I okay. worked for GE right after that. Right, yeah, and so Frank, you were in a role with GE for you know you were there for about eight years, um, right? And you know your final role there was director of training and operations and field support. Um, what what did you do within that scope of work? How did you assist GE? Um, well, um, GE bought RCA and I had to interview for my job. Well, what wound up happening is not only did I get hired, I took two steps up and I was now in charge of like the whole area nice. uh, instead of just one zone as a service manager. And then I did a real good job there and they decided to move me to Louisville to work in their training and development department to try to figure out what I was doing to share that with everybody else mm. around the country since whatever I implemented work, they thought we we're going to bring you into the main office to help our staff around the country and around the world to get better at what they do. And eventually, once I got to Louisville, I was in charge of training and all the field support operations globally. Uh, I took my boss's job, basically. And um, then I was in charge of all the training material, all the uh, manuals and books, all the dealer support training, all the service training for new products. Uh, we, I had people all over the world that would go around and when a new product would come out, they would teach the dealers, the service people, our own factory service uh, group. Um, I was in charge of the technical support group. So if someone had a technical problem, they called toll free number and they'd get to them and they would help them over the phone. So uh, it was it was an interesting job, I liked it. And then eventually I got sick and tired of the corporate stuff and bureaucracy. And I thought, eh, I'm done. Um, <laughs> started my own business 25 years ago. So what do you do now, Frank? So what's Now I'm a business coach and I'm a speaker and a trainer. I travel around, put on workshops, and I go into companies and uh, help people become better at who they are and what they do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, for the listeners, uh, prior to our phone call, we were chatting with Frank a little bit and getting a better understanding of his background and what he was doing. And and uh, it's crazy. He you know he he trains a lot of businesses on how to hire people, how to train them, 
um, how to keep those employees happy. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to Trevor and I, we're finding a lot of these, these guys we're, we're talking with, um, talking about the topic of, of keeping employees. And that's kind of an issue right now overall in the industry. And, um, we're getting such an interesting, like there's so many, um, outlooks on how to do it and, and things that work. And so, Frank talked about uh, briefly something about the uh, um, implementing a maintenance agreement. Um, Frank, can you kind of give us some insight into that and that conversation we were kind of having prior to the, uh, us uh, starting the recording and um, kind of go from there? All right. Um, well, the, the conversation started as I get a lot of requests from owners and managers of companies where they, they believe there's an issue and then they'll call and say, hey, I think... I want you to come out and do this. One of them, for example, is sales training. I want you to come out and do sales training for my guys. And I usually ask, um, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? What's your objective? Because training doesn't always work. There might be something else. Uh, One of the things I realized at GE was some, you know, I'd get somebody in some department, hey, can you come out and train my phone people and I answer the phone properly? And I kind of looked at training this way. If I can go to the person, put a gun to their head and say, do this, and they can do it, it's not training. Mm-hmm. It's, it's motivation. Not that I would recommend anybody doing that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and that's kind of how you have to look at it. Well, they can do it. They just, they're not motivated to do it. It isn't that they don't know how. It's just that they don't feel like they want to do it. And there's no motivating factor that'll make them do it. So... I figured that out with going back to the story that I was saying at RCA, we sold maintenance agreement. That was our biggest uh, method of making revenue. I mean, people paid a lot of money to keep their TV working, to keep their appliance working. It was a monthly payment. And out of 78 guys, I had one guy who would sell. Nobody else wanted to sell. And so I had a meeting and I said, hey, you know, we're having an issue with our maintenance agreements. Um, you guys aren't selling it. And their, and their answer basically was, we'll sell it. All I have to do is ask. We just don't want to bring it up. If they want it, they can ask and we'll sign it up. And I thought, okay, you, they don't know it exists. So how are they going to ask for something that they don't know exists? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> You ever go to Walmart and buy like a, a monitor or a TV or a clock radio or anything and you go to check out, they ask you a question when you check out. You know what that question is? No, I don't. No, they're, they're always, uh, hey, would you like a, a three-year extension uh, replacement guarantee for that product? And, and the price is usually 10% of whatever the price of the product was. So if you bought a TV for, let's say, $99.00. Well, the price of that service agreement that's going to give you an extended warranty for a couple of years is $9.90. And when they say that, they're not saying, hey, let me tell you the benefits of all this stuff. They could care less. The only reason they say it because it pops up on the screen and it says, read this to the customer. And they'll say, are you interested in this maintenance contract? (laughs) It's $9.95. And they look at you. If you don't respond, they hit no. And off they go and they do their job. They could care less. It doesn't matter to them. All they know is the boss told them to do this. Yeah. So thinking of that approach, just making it a task rather than something that 
where they have to have certain cool skills and be able to communicate and know what keywords to use to sell. I told my guys, okay, I'm going to give you a script to follow. So what I implemented was um, when we answered the phone, we followed a script. Hi, thank you for calling the RSA service company. This is Frank. How may I help you today? And then they'll say, oh, well, my TV don't work, whatever. And one of the first things that we asked the customer was, uh, do you have one of our service agreements or maintenance agreement? Uh, no, what is that? Well, it's just a, a way to save you some stress and grief where we take care of your product, pay a monthly fee, and we handle everything else. And uh, the customer is like, oh, no, I just want it fixed. You know, they don't really, they don't really want to hear it. The, the lady on the phone gave them a little bit of information, just a little a morsel of information, just enough to get them, hey, you could save $9.50 or nine ninety five. I don't remember exactly yeah. what, somewhere on there. If, you know, on a service call today if you, or tomorrow when a guy gets there, if you do sign up. Okay, fine. How much is it? And then we, this sounds nuts, but I told them what we're going to do is quote the most ridiculous thing. So it'll be $9 to $999 for the repair if you're interested. Nine or ninety-nine dollars. Well, yeah, we, rarely does that happen. But since you asked for a price, that's the best we can do until someone gets there. And the reason I did that is because if the price is now two hundred fifty, that's not that bad. At least it's not nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. So it's just a a way for the customer to have some sort of a a something to look at to say, okay, it could be here to there, and hopefully it's not up here. Hopefully it's not in the top third. And most of the time it wasn't. It was usually in the bottom third, and, and they're happy with the price because the reference points way over all over the place. Uh, well, and then we tell them you're building okay, a principle okay. of contrast, right? You're you're helping right. them understand like this is what you could pay, but then when it comes down to paying the price, it's like it's not overwhelming to them, it's right? Just, yeah, it's only twenty percent of what it could have been. Yeah. And, you know, so you look at it that way. Wow. You know, I got I got off easy. It was only 250 bucks. Right. Yeah. And they might be able to swallow that, two, that $250 price tag. They might be able to swallow that easier than like an $80 price, price tag had they not even, you know, mm-hmm. had you not warmed them up or given them that contrast. Yeah. I like that. Right. Right. 80 bucks, 200, 80 bucks would have been a lot of money had I not said, somebody said $999. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we handle that on the phone and we tell them, don't forget to ask the technician uh, about how they can save $25. So technician shows up and we practice the script over and over again. I actually had a door put into our conference room so we can do the whole knock on the door. Here's what you say. Here's what you say. <laughs> here's what you say outside. Here's what you say inside. Role play. Nice. Yeah. Over and over again. So they got sick of it. Um, just to throw something in here. During that time was when we still could drink beer at work. I mean, it was, I know, it <laughs> but it was totally acceptable. We had a refrigerator full of beer, and so we drink beer, and uh, and we do it, and then you know everybody go home. But you know, then eventually the company said, "Hey, no more beer, no more liquor at, at work." So I got rid of my liquor cabinet. We emptied the refrigerator and stopped. But was for that the first year when I was there, we had beer. And, I know it's crazy. You know, who would think that today? It's your motivator. You're like, hey, do a role play. I'll give you a beer. <laughs> yeah, it was 80, it was like in a 1980 or something like that, and uh, 1979. Well, anyway, so the script was they knock on the door. 
Hi, Mr. Mrs. or Mr. So-and-so. My name is Andy. I understand you called about your television. Yes, that's correct. May I come in? And then he goes in. And I understand you spoke to Jenny today. Did she explain our charges? Yes, she did. Well, just so there's no misunderstanding, let me run through that again. Mm. It's $9.50 or nineteen ninety-five to come out here. Our prices are $9.50. It could be all the way up to $999, which I doubt, but that's possible. And I understand you're paying with the check. Is that correct? Yes. Why? Just to confirm all the possible things that could be messed up and get those out of the way. Yeah. Okay. They know they have to pay. It could be crazy high, but they know all the stuff now. And then the next thing they had to say was, did Jenny mention that you could save $25 on your service call today? And I don't, I told, I don't care what the customer says. If they said, yes, she did, I don't want to in the inch, I don't want to know anything or no, she didn't. We'd still explain, well, you can save $25 today. It's called a service plan. You pay a certain amount per month. Everything is right here on this document. Please take a moment to look through it. I think you'll like it. Now explain or demonstrate to me the problem you're having. And that's it. That was, it's almost like when you go to Walmart and you check out, you buy a TV and they look at the screen and this question comes up. Uh, tell the customer, you know, ask the customer for $9.90, they can buy a three-year guarantee extension where they can just come and replace it. And most people throw a receipt away and they paid $9.95 for nothing. Um, but it's no sales pitch. It's just this, a method in the process with the right marketing material mm -hmm. that's presented properly at the right time and they can look at it. Mm -hmm. Well, what wound up happening, these guys who weren't interested in selling, I mean, they would sell if someone asked them, but they wouldn't bring it up, are now bringing it up as part of the introduction, yeah. part of the process. And now all of a sudden, service contract sales went up 460%. Wow. 460%, simply because someone said something and they handed a document to somebody, and while he's working on it, he said, yeah, make sure you take a look at that, read it, I think you'll like it, you know, whatever. And and that's it. If they said no, I don't care. Yeah, that's, If they said yes, awesome, you just sold something. That's and so that powerful. No it, it's so powerful because it's like, I, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about this with, with our audience because, you know, we, we hear all the time like systems, processes, like you got to implement these things that, that, uh, will improve the, the KPIs of your employees or like, you know, the, the revenue. And, and sometimes I don't think we take the time to actually think about just the small little steps that we need to create, like creating a script, creating a script just helped increase the, the maintenance contracts that you guys were selling. And instead of, uh, you know, a sales guy coming in and saying, Hey, you need to sell more of these maintenance agreements, right? You, you came in and provided a solution and said, let's, let's try this. Let's test this and see if this helps us get a little bit more increase in the maintenance agreements. It, it's so powerful. And for guys who work on systems, you know, you systematize that process. Cause I, I can imagine, you know, if I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a sales kind of person, you know, I'm, you know, 
kind of loud and charismatic and like to talk <laughs> and think that I'm pretty awesome and things like that. And it could probably sell you something. But for a lot of those guys, you know, they're like, no, I want to get into the nuts and bolts and I want to work on the system. And so to go in there and like have this expectation that, hey, you got to be charismatic, you know, you got to you got to flirt with the mom, you got to pet the dog and then sell. It's like, no, 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 no. That, that sounds so scary. And I can imagine that being uncomfortable and you're not going to retain a technician if you're pushing him to do that. But if you say, hey, man, listen, just say these words, hand him the document, walk away. And what I'm amazed by, Frank, is the results. Like you didn't give actual sales training to these guys. You literally handed them a piece of paper that they read and it increased your sales by 400%. Like that's, I don't know, that's wild and super easily implementable. Yeah. It's, it, and the problem is, I was, I was, I just got to share this with you. Uh, first of all, you mentioned a couple of things also. You mentioned KPIs. I, I was at a company one time that had 40 KPIs for each guy, like Whoa. 40, like, I mean, anything over five is crazy. These guys can't count to 40. Yeah, anything <laughs> over five. I mean, this guy was measuring, he's showing me his software. He says, look here, uh, this guy, Pete so-and-so, uh, in this program, I can see uh, that he spends 14 and a half minutes more per day going to the bathroom than everybody else. And uh, so me, Mr. Sarcastic, and I said, well, you should fire him right now. He says, no, he's one of my best guys. I said, well, who cares then? <laughs> you know, and, and I said, why are you even measuring? Why do you have a system that measures that? Well, <laughs> you know, they have, to, they have to do this, put in this code whenever they go to the bathroom. And I said, okay, great. Uh, so let's say you mentioned it to him. Hey, you know what, Pete? You spend 14 and a half minutes longer in a bathroom than everybody else. Guess what's going to happen? He'll code it differently. He'll just not code it. He'll give you exactly what you want. And when you're playing games with stuff with a bunch of KPIs, people will give you what you want. And when you pay attention to something, and they'll just play games with the numbers, especially if they have it all on, you know, iPads. Well, I just won't clock in right now when I go to the bathroom. I'll wait 15 minutes or, or I won't do three of the bathroom, whatever. They'll play games, and and I see that a lot. Well, we're measuring this and that, and there's too much. Like three things is good: customer complaints, um, revenue, maybe two more things. I mean, whatever is important to the business to stay in business, mm-hmm. those are the things you measure. And who cares about the rest of that? So I used to tell my guys, hey, you know what? If you leave here this morning to go out and do service calls and you go home and sleep for four hours and then you run all your service calls in the afternoon and nobody's complaining and you're bringing in more money than everybody else and you're doing a great job and the quality's there and you're not driving around 90 miles an hour, you know, scaring people, <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy if you're able to, I don't care. Because we have to focus on what the outcome is, not how they do it. It's what really matters, what really counts. I was at a Cleveland Indians baseball game last Monday, um, and they were playing Boston in Cleveland. Um, Jose Ramirez is one of you know top hitters. I mean, he's a he's a he's a real slugger. He's up at bat, and he's a left-hander. He hits a ball out into left field, which is the opposite field. And it's very, it's difficult if you're a left-hander to hit it to left field. It's difficult if you're right-hander to hit a right field with any power. You're gonna lose some power when you hit the opposite field. But he hit this ball to the opposite field and it went out of the stadium. I mean, just over the roof, 
out in the park. I've never seen a ball hit that far, that high. But you know what? It didn't mean crap. Why? It was a foul ball. But to me, I was amazed that he could hit a ball. That's, and he's like shaking his head like, man, three or four feet over to one side, it would have meant something. Mm-hmm. But it meant nothing. Why? It, it's a foul ball. And a lot of times we have people focus. Is what, the reason I told you that is we focus on a bunch of stuff that really doesn't matter. It, it's ball. not even part of the scorecard. You know, this guy hit a foul ball. Should he get credit for something? That'd be nice, but a ball hit that far. It probably went 600 feet. A ball hit that far, that high, you would think it'd be on ESPN. And No, it's a foul ball, so don't mean crap. Had it been fair? Oh, yeah, it'd have been a huge, huge flipping deal. But <laughs> it's nothing. I was, I was impressed, but it meant nothing. Yeah. There's no value to it. So we wind up pushing people and telling them things we want through certain KPIs, and they don't give us any response. Just tell here's the things that are important. That's what we have to do. Do a great job, no callbacks, do what we said on a checklist, follow these steps, here's the process, bring in money, customers need to be happy and think you're awesome, and that's what counts. Yeah. And you need to be happy at work. Yeah. If you're unhappy, tell me. Let's figure out a way to make it happy. Now, what was the next thing I was going to talk about? Um, there's two things. You're good. While you're thinking of that, I just had a thought. Uh, it, that reminds me of something we talked about in a previous episode with uh, Tommy Mello. Um, Trevor made the comment about making all of your employees feel like a CEO, feel like they're in charge of something and giving them giving guidelines and incentives and a process to follow it 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 really makes somebody feel like they're in charge of something and they have ownership and um i think that kind of goes right along with what you're talking about is like don't give them all these crazy kpis that they got to reach but give them the things that are going to make them successful at their job and make them feel like they're accomplishing stuff and i think that's that's awesome exactly and when coming back to sales now i remember what i was going to say People don't buy the way they used to. I went to a workshop uh, maybe four years ago, one of the conferences and conventions, and I was sitting there, and this is like one of the top sales trainers in the country. And he actually said that don't if if you see there's a potential to sell them the customer something, you don't leave until you get a sale. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't think so. I mean, if someone came to my house and they won't leave. I'll start cleaning my guns and dropping bullets on the floor and stuff just to give some indication that this is a threatening environment and you should probably leave and go home uh, because I'm not interested. People don't buy like that anymore. Think think about how people buy today. They don't want to deal with some sales guy sitting there. Oh, let me explain all the benefits. You just don't understand why you need this. You know, all that crap. Nobody buys that way. How do people buy my dryer quit working, and I can fix dryers. What do I do? I, I already knew it was broke. I just had to confirm it, so I took it apart. Yeah, it's it's the pulley. There's a little pulley that puts pressure on the wheel that spins the thing, and the thing was all ate up. And so I go on line on Amazon, and there's a whole bunch of the same pulley. I mean, there's like 20-some of them, 20-some uh, of the same pulley with various prices and various shipping techniques some were prime so i thought well i'm prime so it's going to be a prime where company who want to buy it from then i looked at the reviews 
and the company that I bought it from, yeah, they were more expensive, but they didn't have a bushing in that pulley. They had bearings, which is important to me because it'll last a lot longer than three years, like the last one that had a bushing instead of a bearing. So I thought, well, I'm going to get one with bearings, and they include the belt, the $17, or I can buy the regular one for $6, but I can get this other one for $17 with the belt, with bearings tomorrow. The other one, I can't get it for two days. Okay, and then there's all these other people with lower ratings that I don't even that I just ignore because I don't want to do business with someone who has three stars and not four point eight or four point nine stars. And that's how I made my decision. That's how people buy. And if you can present that type of uh, situation to a customer today, and I mean I I like a flat rate pricing system that isn't one price where you can look at five prices where oh, we could just do a Band-Aid fix, got two weeks warranty on it. If you don't have any money, we'll do it, it's $84. Yeah, or we can go up to the $790 repair, which gives you a three-year guarantee. Hmm. And uh, that's, uh, there's a company called the New Flat Rate that has that. And, and that's what people want. They want to make the decision, hey, give me some options. Tell me what I can choose from, because me, even as a buyer, a person who does shopping, I don't go to the grocery store and there's one loaf of bread in a whole place. <laughs> Guess what? I don't want to buy it. Why? Because there's only one. You know, not what I really like is when I grocery store, there's all kinds of, there's hundreds of loaves of breads of every kind you could think of. But if there was one and it would have been the one that I usually buy, I won't buy it. Why? Because there's only one. People yeah. don't like to be forced into a decision. They like to browse, shop, and think about it. And most people will spend more money if you allow them the opportunity to make a choice. Mm. It's, it's just the pricing method. And if it's presented properly, without any pressure, people spend more money if you just give them something to look at and decide. It's so simple. No, no, even people don't buy cars with used car salesmen anymore. You can order a car and deliver to your house. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Mm. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's that's what people prefer. I don't want to be bothered by someone telling me what's better. I'll ask you questions and then for information, but when it comes to buying something, don't try to pressure me in some direction because I'll just back off and I'll deal with someone else. Totally. Uh, and that's younger people, especially, are like that. Oh, they don't right. want someone to convince them to buy something. Yeah, we're we're so empowered nowadays to make our own decision when it comes to buying because of the online experience and uh, yeah, it's we're we're a completely buyer, a completely different buyer today than we are were even five years ago, ten years ago, and uh, you're seeing companies, big companies change. You know, they're making big changes. Like Amazon's a great example. I think you brought up Amazon, and I, I love using them as an example. You know, they've got a Prime membership. They've got, um, it, it, like, it, it's created a completely different buying experience. And so, these smaller businesses also need to change. They need to. They need to change. They need to figure out how can we better serve our customer. They're totally different. So, what what do we need to do to to get with the times? Um, and serve them better. And I think kind of, and, and go ahead. Just simple things like, I mean, social media is such a huge thing. Um, simple things like what's most important, like a heating and air or plumbing company, building that relationship with that customer 
and and just reminding them, hey, I'm here. If you need anything, I'm here. Uh, we talked about service plans, and I don't see many people doing this. In fact, I don't know anybody that's doing it. What, how much would it cost to take care of someone, all their plumbing needs for a certain amount of month? Mm. And think about that. Or all their heating and air conditioning needs for a certain amount of month. Hey, whatever happens, we'll come out there. It's part of the plan. Now, I wouldn't recommend everything's free because they'll call you, oh, it sounds funny, and you get out there, no, it sounds fine. Now you're wasting labor time and you know resources. But I would say, like, hell, I should just build a company that does this. Now I think about it. Uh, <laughs> we'll help you. We'll help you. Think about it. Uh, so you have 100% guarantee on everything. But if they call you, it's $99. Yeah. Right. And the most a customer will ever paid to call you is $99. So first of all, nobody wants to spend 100 bucks just because something sounds funny, so they won't do it. But if they do have a problem, you go out there and you take care of it, but they pay you a regular, you take money out of your visa card, let's say every month. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's doing it, but I mean, yeah. I brought this idea to other people in a certain way. And some people say, yeah, I don't know. Look into it, Frank. See, see what that would cost. How much would I have to charge? I don't know. I'll do some research and find out. It's just a thought I had. No, it's, it. you're spot on. We live in a subscription economy and I don't know if you've looked us up, but that's kind of what we, uh, we've built a software not to get promotional or anything like that, but we've actually built a software that helps manage membership programs. Um, I, my background is, in creating membership programs or subscription programs for a business um, that helps you capture that economy, that helps you capture the current buyer who all they want is access. They don't want to own anything these days. They just want access. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's powerful. I've helped to implement this into uh, close to a thousand different dental practices where a patient's paying a monthly fee or a, an annual fee and they get a certain amount of benefits just like your just like your Costco membership just like your Amazon Prime membership right right these HVAC companies these uh service businesses can do the same thing I've done it for my bike shop I've got a bike shop that that we sell a membership and you get these benefits and it's an annual membership I could probably sell a monthly but it doesn't make sense with the, the frequency of in the seasonal um, side of things. But it, yeah, I, you're spot on, like creating a subscription to capture the current buyer is, is right. And, and they could be include benefits. Like we'll send you a filter every month. Yeah. It's mm. part of it. it just comes in the mail. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Um, we have a website specific for members only. So if you have any weird things going on in your air conditioning or heating, you can go to this website and it'll tell you what you need to look at. Right. You know, so you don't have to pay us the $99. Or you're yeah, I mean, it's just, there's so many things that could be out there, but nobody does it. Everybody's still like, well, they call us, we go out and fix it. Now we're going to try to sell them a replacement because that's the only way we think we can make money. Yeah. I mean, what's... And there's companies out there who their whole business is geared to, we're going to sell more stuff. We're going to replace all their equipment. Yeah. Okay. Right. Even today's, what's really crazy today, if you replace all the equipment, every manufacturer gives a 10-year guarantee. Okay. Guess what? You lost that customer for the next 10 years. Yeah. Right. Right. 
And what's, what's hard about that is that, you know, there's no recurring revenue model within the business. It's all dependent upon, you know, how many, how many legs you can get out on the field into people's houses, selling new units. It's, it's all based on, you know, things like inventory. You have a lot of physical constraints on how much money you can make. However, with a monthly subscription, you're going to have that recurring revenue, which at the end of the day, if you're a business owner, I mean, your, your end goal isn't just to make money off your business forever, but it's an investment. Everything you put into it, eventually one day you may be able to sell or give your kids to sell or whatever you're looking at. And if you can sell a business that has recurring revenue, it's going to be worth, you know, 10 X that of, of another business because you have guaranteed signups. You have guaranteed revenue for the next year. We were talking with Parker and his bike shop. He's got a handful of, uh, subscriptions right now for, for the maintenance program that he's built. And it's awesome because he has his tech and he can turn to his tech and say, Hey, guess what? We have guaranteed this much revenue and these many jobs for next year. And then the year after that and the year after that, as our program grows. And so it gives the employee a lot of comfort to stay there. And as far as acquisition goes, you're going to be worth a whole lot more at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, and you got to get creative too. Like I, I'm currently working with and partnering with a, a company that's developed an app that helps, um, it, it, it helps measure the amount of miles you've put on a bike. It notifies the customer when they need certain maintenance done automatically. Uh, it connects with their, their mileage tools that they use for their, for their riding. And, and we're wow. going to package that into the maintenance or the, the, the membership that we're selling, which increased the perceived value of our program. And so I, the point of me bringing this up is to, to just, drill down what you said, Frank, get creative, right? Think outside the box, create a community yeah. or, or create a relationship with this customer. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's awesome. And, and these heating and air guys are so, I got to replace systems. That's the only way I can make money. If you look at the auto industry, <laughs> look at the auto industry. If you take your car to the dealer to get repaired, they're going to look at every possible thing that could be broken or worn down or their mileage indicates that it needs this. So you take your car to the dealer. I just want an oil change. And it's making a funny nose, a noise. They'll come out with this thing that says, well, here's what we found. Uh, by the way, it's, you know, after so many miles, you should have had this done, this done. Next thing you know, they're showing an estimate of like $6,000. And why? Because these are all the things that are recommended that should be done. Nobody in that service department's gonna say, hey, you ought to go look at our on our lot. Heck no. And no one from the lot, none of the salespeople will ever come into the service department and try to sell you a new car. Why? They don't want to take away the revenue from the service department. Yeah. They don't want to take that revenue away. Why? Because the service department pays for that entire building. They pay for the lot, they pay for the utilities, they pay for the taxes, everything. It's a revenue generator that keeps that place alive, keeps the lights on. The yeah. sales department is there for them to make commission and they have a certain amount of money they got to bring in. Of course, they have an expensive inventory there that they have to figure out how to get rid of or return, but they never enter. They don't work together. I mean, they don't send someone over to buy a new vehicle. They just don't do that because they do their own. They have to generate revenue. And we forget that the value of a service technician isn't about the part. 
or the, whatever the thing was that he had to replace. The value of a service guy, a person who can do things nobody else can do, is that, he's, that he has the ability or she has the ability to go in, troubleshoot, identify, and then replace or fix whatever is there. There's not a lot of people can do that. Instead, the industry typically focuses on the part. Like if someone came in and worked on my air conditioning and the capacitor on a compressor went out, the guy would typically say, oh, uh, I found a problem, your capacitor, I'm gonna have to replace, I'm gonna have to replace the capacitor and sell you a new one and uh, the price to do that's $340. And then he gives me the invoice and I look and I'll look at the part number and I'll go online and I'll see that that capacitor I could have bought for $16. This guy charged me $340 for a $16 part because the value was on that part. He didn't talk about, it wasn't about his troubleshooting technique or finding being, you know, the skills and the experience that he had. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. They focus on, well, I'm going to have to sell you a part. They're not selling a part. You're selling your value. Like a, you go to have a, a knee replacement. You don't say, well, I'm going to have to install a knee part number so-and-so, and that costs this much. No, <laughs> it it, $10, you're paying for the surgeon to be able to, to know how to do that. Right. You know, They don't send you a list of freaking parts and labor involved. You get a bill that says surgery, $3,400 or $8,000, whatever the heck it costs. Yeah. Uh, because we value that person's skill. And we have to start looking, being like surgeons, where you know, the focus is not on the item, the focus is on the person's ability to do the work. And that can be done simply by not identifying the part as the part or giving them, I mean, you can say, I gotta replace a component. Who the heck cares what it is? Totally. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I love that analogy, the the surgeon and the screws in the knee or whatever, we're putting too much, we're placing too much value on the part and not on the actual service. Uh, I'm thinking about my own business right now and I'm like, gosh, I do that every day. I'm changing this right now. The value is we come to you yeah. and, and, and we, you know, my tech is certified and he's, he's going to make sure your bike's running perfectly. Like it's, yeah, that's incredible. I didn't even think about it that way. I love it. Yeah, that's true. And you can say, you know, let's say you worked on the pedal pedals and there's something in there, uh, bearings that were shot or whatever. You can simply say rebuilt a pedal assembly price, price includes, bearings order yeah yeah you just have it's a it's a system i repaired this system yeah that's true a lot of the a lot of that value does come into labor and you know my dad i don't know where he heard the story but he always tells me about how um i don't know if it happened him or somebody else or some contractor he gets done with a job in a woman's house and she goes what you're charging me x amount of dollars and it took you an hour to do it and he goes, yeah, but it took me 10 years to figure out how to do that in an hour. So, yeah, I'm yeah. charging you that much. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. You know, uh, but people don't see that until you bring it. You have to demonstrate your value by not focusing on, well, if on one part is bad, I'm going to have to get another one. Right. Uh, that's not the way to address it. The right. way to address it is there's a problem in this part of the system and it's in the ignition part and we may have to replace parts to do that it'll cost you this mm. oh, man, and i always tell people 
offer a variety of warranties. We can give a two-week warranty, we can give a month warranty, we can give a 90-day warranty, we can give a year warranty, we can give a four-year warranty, depending on how much you want to spend. Yeah, wow. Well, and it's keeping, you're keeping the, the customer's desired end result in mind when you do that. It's not focused on the part, it's not focused on the service, it's What's, you know, it, it goes back to what you said earlier, when you get asked by people to come out and train, you ask them, well, you know, what's your objective? What are you trying to achieve here? And, yeah. and too often we say, yeah, well, here's the system. This is the process this is going to solve all your problems. But we focused on the desired end result of the customer and, and you're going to solve that problem. And that's, you know, what's that worth to them? Well, they're sitting in a house with, with six kids and it's 140 degrees, <laughs> they're yeah. gonna pay way more when you when you put it that way, right? So, I I think this is awesome, Frank. We're coming up on a, on our our time here. Um, gosh, is there anything else you wanna you wanna say about that stuff? I wish we could talk another 30 minutes. I'm I'm getting so much. Well, out I can back in the future if you like. No big yeah, deal. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, it's you know we need instead of looking at it like we did, uh, let me just say this, the old way of selling and the old way of pricing worked great back in the seventies and the eighties, because that's what people expected. Today, customers don't expect and they don't want just to be forced to make a decision. Well, it's, it's $490 or nothing, or you have to replace your whole system or nothing. People like choices. Customers like to be able to be in control of their situation. Mm. When someone goes in and says, well, it's gonna be 490 bucks, they have lost control. Now it's like either do it or don't do it. And it's not a good place to be. And if, like you said, if it's 140 degrees, um, they're just going to be overwhelmed and have to do it. And then after they get some time and do research and start looking around, well, should I have paid that much? And I talked to her cousin who has a uncle who's in that business, or well, you should only pay 140 for that. You know, and, and then that whole thing starts and now you got an upset customer Yeah, because they didn't they feel like they had a choice. Heck this pricing system that I was talking about earlier, you have, Prices that are like $199 all the way up to $1,500 for the same thing, basically, except you spend more time. The warranty's longer. You check everything out versus just fix it and get out. And none of the emphasis is on a part. It's just, hey, we have five prices. What do you want? And here's what's crazy. Let me just throw this in. If you went out and had to buy something, I don't care what it was, and the prices were, let's say, $9 all the way up to $99. How much would you spend? Hmm. And there's five choices. Nine dollars to ninety-nine. Depends on what I'm getting fixed. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> say it depends on what it is, but I'm definitely not going to buy the nine-dollar one. That just feels cheap and weird. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you'll yeah. probably be in the middle. You're probably everybody does that. Like, hey, I got to go buy a drill. Well, there's one that's. Uh, $39, a power drill, orders one that's $399. Oh, I think I'll spend a hundred bucks. Why? Because it's in the middle. Yeah. And when you offer a pricing that's like tiered, like from bottom to top, there's five prices 
and the person picks one of the ones in the middle and asks, and this is true, this is statistically true, 80% of people, when they pick a middle price, somewhere around 80%, they pick a middle price and, and the technician will say, can you mind if I ask why you picked that? Oh, because it's in the middle. <laughs> That's it. It's in the middle. Let's raise so the middle. What, what's up? People decide to spend more money on their own simply because they don't want to do the, oh, I don't want the $9 one like you said. Yeah. yeah. I went through this <laughs> I don't want to spend that much, so let's pick dilemma. something in the middle. I, I was buying a razor this week for shaving my face, and uh, I went through this <laughs> dilemma too. I was literally thinking, I was like, man, they're just messing with me. These are all probably the same, but I'm going to buy one in the middle, and I did. <laughs> Yeah. I do the same thing. I don't want the cheap one. It, it'll probably work once. Yeah. yeah. But I don't, I don't want to spend like, you know, 80 bucks for a stupid razor. <laughs> right. It can't be that great. I mean, it, I should just stand there with my hands down to have this thing for that much money. Yeah. And I'm sure <laughs> so, there's some people listening that'll argue the point and say, no, I'm, I always go for the premium product. I like to buy the premium product. And it's like, that's great. That's why it's there. You can upsell the premium yeah, product right. to that group of people, but majority right. of people are going to be your middle class, middle middle purchaser. And so, Frank, um, you know, we're coming up on our time here. Thank you so much for coming You're on. Welcome. And you, it, I, we want to have you back on the show for sure. It's been it's been fun chatting with you. You bring so much knowledge and experience that I just I I want to keep listening. So. Um, for those that are listening, please go and give us a review. Tell us what you think. Tell us, you know, some topics that you might be interested in. Um, you can contact Trevor and I. Our, our emails are, are Parker or Trevor at curry.io, K-U-R-R-Y dot I-O. Uh, Frank, for those that want to learn more about you, um, where can they go to learn more just about go, you? Just go to my website, The Real Frank. The real com. Frank. I love that. Realfrank.com. <laughs> Realfrank.com. Wait, so that means you're the real Frank. You are the I'm real, the real Frank. Frank. Oh, yeah. man. I've been yeah. waiting so long to meet the real I, Frank. I have a newsletter that goes out it's called Frankly Speaking. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to subscribe. <laughs> yes. Well, Frankly Speaking, Frank, this was the most Frank conversation I've had in a long time, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been fun. It's a pleasure, and I look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Thanks.